This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by one of the leaders in our country, Dr. Mindy Estes. Dr. Mindy Estes is the CEO of the St. Luke's Health System, and she'll talk to us about the system, leadership, priorities, what she's seeing with COVID-19, and a lot more. Dr. Estes, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, Scott. Um, I am... uh the president and CEO of the St. Louis Health System in uh, in Kansas City. I have uh, been here uh, about uh, nine years. I also have the privilege this year of being the chair of the board of the American Hospital Association. Um, I started my uh, career in medicine as a neurologist and neuropathologist and um, uh, practiced uh, actively for uh, quite some time before uh, doing uh, administration uh, full time. And, and Dr. Estes, was there a pivotal point in time where you sort of made this transition from practice to leadership? Well, there was. I uh, uh, I practiced for a, a number of years at the uh, Cleveland Clinic Foundation, and. Uh, um, in, in the Department of uh, Pathology and also in Neurology and Neurosurgery. And uh, at that time, um, healthcare was in transition. And it's funny to think about back 10, 15 years ago with the problems that we thought were in healthcare then and compared to where we are uh, today, it seems relatively tame back in the uh, in the uh, early 2000s, but um, it became clear to me that, uh, you know, physicians and and, uh, nurses are really the line workers of healthcare and that it was incumbent upon us to really, um, you know, go, go back to school, get training in business, begin to punch the tickets and work our way up in the administrative uh, side of the world to, in fact, be sure that the clinical voice was also blended with the administrative voice as uh, healthcare moved into uh, into a different realm. And so that really was uh, uh, an aha moment for me. I went back then and got an MBA and began to have a, a number of progressive responsibilities through uh, through the health system. Fascinating. Let me ask you a question about the AHA. The AHA over the last decade or so has done this remarkable job of coming back to sort of the center of health care and seemingly being less territorial and more focused on making health care great in the United States and representing its hospitals and health systems and so forth, but in a more inclusive way. Can you take a moment and talk about the AHA and maybe just a moment on points of pride in now leading the AHA as chairperson of the board? Yeah, I can. And I, I've been involved uh, with the AHA for the last 15 years or so and uh, active on the board for uh, for the last six. And, you know, I think uh, traditionally when you think about AHA, you've thought about advocacy, which obviously is still at um, the core of, uh, of AHA's importance to the field. But um, under Rick Pollock's leadership, AHA really has taken a broader look at the field and and across all constituencies, you know, academic, large systems, rural hospitals, teaching hospitals, small hospitals, tried to look at the viewpoint from every one of those lenses and has, has really um, um, 
increase the number of resources that the organization has in terms of toolkits, in terms of things to help its members do their work more effectively and more efficiently. Um, and I think that has been a real pivot for uh, AHA, as well as building on the work of AONL, um, the uh, nursing uh, leadership group, and uh, the formation of the Physician Alliance, recognizing that uh, physicians are an increasingly important part of, uh, of uh, hospitals and health systems. We employ uh, over 50% of the physicians in the country. So I think you're right about inclusion, that AHA, in fact, has deliberately uh, provided more operational support, recognize that one size does not fit all, and that balancing advocacy and operations uh, is, uh, is important. Uh, in terms of points of pride, I really uh, need to, uh, to, to point to AHA's uh, performance during uh, this pandemic. Uh, you know, I think none of us could have imagined uh, what would happen uh, as we entered the uh, early March timeframe and the strain and stress that hospitals have been under uh, both from an operational perspective, a financial uh, perspective, staffing, testing, uh, supplies, and, and AHA has worked tirelessly to provide for the field, not just in terms of, uh, in terms of, of dollars in the CARES funding, but also in a host of things from the million uh, mass campaign to the dynamic ventilator uh, reserve, where we're sharing ventilators across the country among all of us, uh, to AHA's work in vaccines and therapeutics to ensure that we have a seat at the table and that we, we understand uh, um, how these are coming about and how we're involved in the distribution. So I am extraordinarily proud of AHA's uh, work and the work of the board over the last year. Thank you very much. Your thoughts on sort of what, what I noticed from a distance is the AHA being much more public health and good oriented and less territorial. And it's very interesting for me to hear you shed light on some of the very specific initiatives that sort of probably lead me to that view, but the specifics of the implementation of policy by Rick Pollock and your board and so forth that have led to that sort of perception. It's really an interesting perception and discussion because you really see it very clearly in the healthcare sector, how AHA at one point, if I go back many years ago, always seem to be in conflict with other organizations. You just see less of that today, more focused on common public good and the health system good versus picking fights that it doesn't need to pick. It's really an impressive effort by Rick Pollock and your board's leadership at the HA. Take us for a moment, Dr. Estes, through St. Luke's health system and a few points of pride there and a little bit about St. Luke's health system. Yeah, the St. Luke's Health System is headquartered in Kansas City, and uh, as you know, Kansas City sits uh, right at the border of uh, Missouri and Kansas, and in fact has a road called State Line Road. One side is Missouri, one side is Kansas. St. Luke's has been a factor in this Kansas City community uh, for almost 140 years. So a longtime uh, provider of health care, a longtime um, uh, resource in the Kansas City community and a longtime um, good uh, corporate citizen uh, in uh, in the area. Um, St. Luke's now is very much uh, a truly integrated uh, health system. We have uh, 10 hospitals in the metro area as well as, and that includes four critical access hospitals in uh, rural Missouri and in, uh, in rural uh, Kansas. A uh, um, 
700 uh, person strong provider group, uh, home care, the whole, the whole suite of things. So we really are an integrated uh, health system. And we've worked very hard over the last five or six years to really um, uh, diversify our footprint in the, uh, in the Kansas City uh, area, trying to bring care to people uh, where they need it uh, and, and in their neighborhoods. And so we, we have built a number of multi-specialty, big box type of uh, facilities. We have um, five micro hospitals uh, in Kansas that have been very important to us uh, during uh, this pandemic. And we are anchored by a flagship hospital, St. Luke's Hospital, which is a tertiary quaternary hospital with a significant research enterprise and educational enterprise in partnership with uh, the University of Missouri, uh, Kansas City. So uh, St. Luke's is a, uh, a consequential healthcare provider, both in Kansas City itself, but also uh, in the region. You know, you ask about uh, points of, uh, of pride, and I would just uh, highlight uh, uh, two or three. Uh, one is uh, St. Luke's is one of the top heart transplant programs uh, in the uh, in the country. We have been doing heart transplants for over 35 years and have done 850. Uh, heart transplants with uh, some of the best outcomes uh, in the nation. And that really is one of the mainstays of a top-notch uh, cardiovascular and cardiac uh, surgery group that uh, is, is at the heart of, uh, of the tertiary um, services at St. Luke's uh, Hospital, which um, on the one hand faces some of the most affluent areas of Kansas City and on the other side of it, some of the most challenged. Uh, I think I would also point out um, uh, we uh, we have uh, since uh, 2017 had the health equity index uh, designation for all of our hospitals and campuses, and we also have a very strong female female leadership groups throughout our health system, and so we're committed to to diversity. Uh, and uh, inclusion. And then finally, uh, it's, St. Luke's has had a very strong culture for its uh, almost 140 years. And we have, uh, over the last uh, several years, taken that culture and talked about um, celebrating a culture of kindness, which is really what we hope to be as a healthcare provider, kind every day, kind to our patients, kind to each other, uh, kind to our communities, uh, and uh, that has resonated with uh, our employees. And I'm, I'm pleased to say that, you know, during the stresses and strains of this pandemic where our staff, our frontline staff in particular, have been under such uh, stress that we have not lost that culture of kindness um, toward our patients and, in, and importantly toward each other because, uh, as you know, the pandemic uh, has brought out the best in people and in some instances has brought out the more challenging sides. And so I'm, I'm really very proud of our organization and our over 12,000 uh, team members who are part of that. Dr. Estes, you've done this wonderful job both professionally um, you know, people don't know this, or at least not, not everybody knows this. You serve on an advisory board for Becker's Healthcare with, a, with 16 other magnificent leaders from the healthcare community, and you are incredibly well-respected by other leaders, um, which, which I always find a great tribute to somebody. You, you speak when you want to speak. You don't need the stage more than you want to have the stage, and you're just incredibly well-respected. Talk about advice that you would give to other people 
trying to build fulfilling and great leadership careers. Because uh, you, you seem to have had this wonderful transition, this second career in leadership after a great career as a physician. A couple of thoughts on having careers that people can thrive in and do well. Any advice you would give people? Well, I, pre- I appreciate uh... I appreciate that. Um, you know, I guess just a, a, a couple of uh, a couple of things. One is to, as you move into leadership, is to really understand uh, where the work in healthcare gets done. And the work in healthcare gets done on the front lines, uh, our healthcare providers, but also all of the people who in fact support those healthcare providers from, from uh, you know, uh, environmental services to nutrition, to transportation, to all of the back office functions. And be sure that you never lose sight of where the work gets done. Um, I, I learned a long, long time ago that you really need to listen uh, to understand not just to respond. Uh, as all of us get busy, as all of us uh, um, have a million things on our calendar, it's tempting sometimes uh, when somebody tells you something to respond instantly, but you need to listen to understand. Um, I also think welcoming dissenting voices is really uh, important. Uh, I encourage my team to, you know, let. I don't mind being disagreed with if the facts uh, present themselves, I am certainly willing to change my mind. Uh, and, you know, having those dissenting voices you trust around the table, I think really help you make, uh, make better decisions. And then finally, Scott, I think I would just say, you know, leading with empathy and with transparency, uh, I think is really uh, important. Um, we always need to realize why we are in this business of healthcare, that the patients come first, but that we are a people intensive business and uh, all of us um, um, need empathy. All of us need understanding. And I think leading with both that and transparency is very helpful. Thank you very, very much. Um, Mindy, it's been a great pleasure to sort of hear you over the last several years and, and to get to know you and, and at least somewhat um, and to watch your leadership style. The thing that I'm, you mentioned about frontline workers and realizing everything really gets done, a lot gets done at the front line. And, and I guess in this period of time when people in the back office are, and scientists are developing vaccines, I, I, it's probably a great mix, but it's really the front line, the scientists, the researchers, and then the job of the administrative leaders is to make sure they all flourish and can get their jobs done and protect them and make their lives easier to do their jobs. I, I wonder if you would take one moment and commenting on the following. More and more in healthcare, there are plenty of great leaders that were not clinicians by background, whether doctors or nurses, but increasingly great physicians, great nurse leaders become some of the best leaders of health systems. And is that because they understand the entire operation of the health system in a way that's different than somebody that might not have been able to work in it at some point as a clinician? Or or why is there sometimes that advantage? And and you see it in some of our great leaders. You know, having had a long career in healthcare, I can uh, remember when there were really very few uh, physicians and nurses and other uh, clinical uh, providers who led uh, hospitals and uh, and health systems as the uh, as at the CEO uh, level and and you are quite right over the last particularly the last uh, 10 15 years 
um, that has changed dramatically. I think a couple of things. Uh, one is, as I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, physicians, nurses are the line workers of healthcare, and I do think we understand the delivery of care. I think we understand the dynamic tension between uh, between uh, productivity and quality and the administrative demands uh, that have increased dramatically. I think that comes as you practice uh, as you practice medicine. Um, I also, you know, um, think that. Um, we've seen um, physicians and uh, nursing leadership, uh, physicians in particular, um, punch their tickets, if you will, to lead health systems. I can remember not very long ago when, as a physician, if you went back and got an MBA, a number of people said, well, I'm ready. Um, put me in the C-suite, put me in the CEO chair. And I think we've seen over time that physicians in particular uh, need to um, move up through the ranks, need to understand the processes that go into administering a large uh, health system so they can balance naturally what they know about clinical medicine with now what they know about all of the legal, financial, operational um, governance demands that a health system uh, requires. So I, I think uh, um, we've seen an evolution, and as physicians have been willing to, uh, in fact, punch their tickets and work uh, through both sides of the equation, we, we really now have some amazing uh, physician leaders in this country. So true and so well stated, and nurse leaders as well, but uh, magnificent. Dr. Esses, it is a pleasure to visit with you. So clear thinking, always, so straightforward, always. You, you really are an, an, an unusual pleasure to listen to. I feel like as much as any reader I ever listened to, I learn more from just hearing you talk, I learn, than from almost anybody else. And it's a great blessing to get a chance to visit with you. Thank you so much for joining the Becker's Healthcare Podcast and for all you do at both VHA and St. Luke's and every place else that you touch. Thank you, Scott. It's been a pleasure. Stay safe and be well.